You just heard me pop the cork to a Vin Zero Brut Blanc, a non-alcoholic sparkling wine from Hill Street Beverage Company. When you pour it into a glass, you'll see a light golden color just like a typical champagne with lots of bubbles rising to the top. When you take a smell, you'll feel those bubbles rise up to your nose and give you a sweet floral aroma of muscat as well as lemon. And when you take a drink of this delicious bubbly, you'll taste hints of peach and a long lemony finish. The thing that's different about wine from Hill Street is that they are not overly sweet. The complaint I hear from so many people who try non-alcoholic wines for the first time is that they taste like grape juice, but Hill Street's wines have a lot of depth and complexity. And what's great is they offer a wide variety of wines that fit any occasion. Hi everyone, I'm Marco Salazar and welcome to the For All Drinks podcast, your place for discovering delicious non-alcoholic beer, wine, spirits, mocktails, and more for leading a fun, healthy, and inclusive lifestyle. On today's episode, we'll be talking with the maker of this and many other tasty wines and beers, Terry Donnelly, CEO of Hill Street Beverage Company. Hill Street is the leading non-alcoholic winemaker in North America and is reinventing the category of non-alcoholic wines by providing a wide variety of award-winning whites, reds, and bubbly that are low in sugar, healthy, and great tasting. They are also one of the first non-alcoholic breweries in the world. So join us today to hear about all the great non-alcoholic drink options they are creating and how they are helping to grow the non-alcoholic beverage movement. When you talk with Terry, you can quickly sense the passion he has for his work at Hill Street Beverage Company. This is not only in creating delicious wines and beers, but also the positive impact he is making in people's lives. Since this recording, Hill Street has donated over $2 million to support organizations helping people who suffer from health conditions relating to alcohol consumption. In this episode, you'll get the inside scoop on how Hill Street makes their wines, what new drinks they have on the horizon, as well as hear about their new line of innovative CBD wines and beers they're about to launch. So here he is, Terry Donnelly from Hill Street Beverage Company. Hey, Terry, welcome to the For All Drinks podcast. Marcos, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm super excited to chat with you today because you produce some of the best non-alcoholic beers and wine in the entire industry. But what's really interesting is you produce particularly great tasting non-alcoholic wine. So I'd love to start with where did the idea of Hill Street Beverage Company come from? And then we'll start diving into the wines. It was originally launched as Mad Virgin Drinks. So it was a company that was built to produce a non-alcoholic wine and beer for the designated driver under the Mothers Against Drunk Driving brand name. And so it operated for about 10 years as, as Mad Virgin Drinks, and it never really went anywhere. Um, and the products were in about 500 stores. They were getting accolades for the quality of the liquid that's in, in the beverage. But, you know, it just, the branding and the association with Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and it's kind of a single purpose for the designated driver. And, you know, behaviorally, the designated driver is typically somebody who drinks, except when they're driving. And if you're going to go to a party, you're not going to go to a grocery store to pick up a non-alcoholic wine to take to the party when, you know, likely what you're doing is you're just going to the party, having one or two drinks and then stopping, right? If you're a responsible designated driver. So it, it just never really went anywhere. I had spent a lifetime working in the marketing and advertising industry and I was between careers. I just left a career working in a big ad agency actually based out of New York. And the guys that were running the company called me up and said, we're surprised our products aren't, you know, flying off the shelves, what could be the problem? 
would you be interested in helping us? And I had just worked on the launch of Budweiser's Prohibition Brew, which is the first non-alcoholic beer under the Budweiser brand name. So my agency that we worked at did the launch of all of that. And so I, I knew something about the category. And I personally had been diagnosed with a liver condition. So I had to actually eliminate all grain products, including all grain alcohol products, from my diet. And so I'd been three and a half years without having a drink. And here's this non-alcoholic company wanting some help from a marketing standpoint to figure out their strategy and why they weren't succeeding where others uh, appeared to be. And so I, I kind of dove in and put together a strategy and a plan, presented it to the board, and the board said, we love the plan, we love the strategy, but only if you were on the company. So I kind of went, okay, I'll take it on. I was basically just a consultant at that point in time. So I took on the role. They appointed me chairman and CEO. And that began the journey of what is now Hill Street. And so we changed the name. We terminated the MAD relationship. We kept certain aspects of that strategy being that, you know, instead of donating money to end drinking and driving, we're actually taking a percentage of all of our sales and putting it towards organizations that support research into medical conditions that are either caused or complicated by alcohol. And so we've donated uh, over $2 million to various causes, including Mothers Against Drunk Driving. A large part of that was from the prior history, but a big chunk is from the new era of the business. And so we, we renamed the company. We renamed all the brands. We redesigned, repackaged everything. And one of the big parts of that strategy is that, you know, cannabis in Canada was becoming legal. And if you do the comparison of why people quit drinking, it's almost always a behavioral or physiological problem, right? It's a medical problem or a behavioral problem. And alcohol is the cause of that. And the interesting thing is that cannabis really has none of those negative attributes. It has almost negligible, if, if no effect. And in fact, by and large, it has a beneficial effect when you consume it because of the, the cannabinoids that are in it, including CBD and some of the other hugely, you know, purported to be hugely beneficial uh, ingredients that are part of the plant. And yet it's as an intoxicant and as, as a social intoxicant, it's relatively benign. So especially when you consume it at the degree of intoxication that one gets from alcohol. So if you could create a cannabis beverage that replaced alcohol, none of those health problems would occur in the person who's drinking the cannabis beverage. And so we started doing some studies on, you know, just how uh, big a problem is alcohol from a medical standpoint. And it is bigger than tobacco. It's the cause of, you know, 23 different forms of cancer, arthritis, gout, liver disease, like all of the medical issues that are caused by alcohol are just profoundly disturbing. In Canada alone, there's, I think, 18,000 deaths a year due to alcohol consumption. There's about 80,000 hospital visits a year. In the U.S., you know, you take those numbers, you add a zero, right? And that's how you get to the scale of the problem. And when you compare that to cannabis and eliminate the criminality of cannabis and all the problems that come from cannabis because it's illegal and look purely at the health problems associated with it, and it's literally zero. So it's profoundly uh, illuminating when you kind of go, I could make alcohol's a trillion dollar business and I can make an alternative to alcohol that causes none of the issues that alcohol causes from a physical standpoint. Who wouldn't want that?
Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of went, we've already got great tasting alcohol-free products. And legally, you can't have alcoholic cannabis in the same product. So if you're going to make wine or beer that has cannabis in it, it's got to first have no alcohol. And because we're already making this great tasting, we went, well, if we can find a way to put cannabis in it and not screw up the taste, we probably have a pretty good business. I think the unique thing about Hill Street is it's a pretty wide variety of non-alcoholic beverages. So can you share a little bit about that range? Yeah. So it's basically our strategy is to take everything we make in the non-alcoholic portfolio and we're going to make a cannabis infused version of it. So it's going to taste exactly the same. It's going to look exactly the same. And, you know, when it's in your glass and it's, you know, obviously in Canada, we have some packaging restrictions that we got to work with and we have to change the name. So it's Hill Avenue Cannabis Company versus Hill Street Beverage Company, which is the, so Hill Street is the non-alcoholic product and Hill Avenue is the cannabis product. But, you know, when you taste the two, they will taste identical. Oh, that's very interesting. So it's specifically a separate product. And if people choose to have it, they can. They can. And so it's like you'll buy one at the liquor store or the grocery store and the other you'll buy at the cannabis dispensary. But in terms of the flavor, they're identical. Interesting. And can you share a little bit about the type of beers and the styles you have? And then we'll go into the wines. We've had a Pilsner, an American Pilsner, and we've had a lager. Uh, so those are the two main ones. We've gone through a couple of different styles of lager through the history of the company. We actually won three U.S. Open championships in the non-alcoholic category for our, our loggers. We won a couple of silvers and a bronze for our Pilsner. So very proud of those. And we're going to you know, obviously continue with that. But we've got plans for a double IPA and an amber and some sours and things like that coming up. But we just want to get the cannabis products launched. And then we can sort of continue the cycle of new product development after that. And you have a pretty wide range of range of wines as well. Yeah, yeah. We actually, we right now have, I think there's about a dozen different varietals of wine that we have in varying stages of inventory. So we have, you know, Chardonnay is our best selling product, and Merlot is the second best selling. We have an Aran, which is called our Brut. It's it's a beautiful French, uh, made to like Champagne. It comes from the same region, and so we have we have our Brut. We have a Brut Rosé. Um, we have a Shiraz Rosé, which is absolutely delicious. We have an amazing Cabernet Sauvignon. Our, our Cab Sauve actually won a double gold medal at the San Francisco International Wine Challenge. First time ever that a non-alcoholic wine has won a double gold. And, and double gold in the wine world is really, it's much better than a gold. Because in a gold medal means the majority of judges pick your wine. You got to remember there's blind taste testing, right? So the majority of judges picked your wine with double gold. It was unanimous. Wow. So when they unanimously pick your wine, it means without a question, you are the best tasting product of the year. Yeah. And so we were super proud of that. And it's really amazing. And then we're launching a whole new array of wines from different regions. So we have uh, Australian uh, Sauvignon Blanc. We have a Gewürztraminer from South Africa. We have some Chilean product. We have a Spanish product coming out. So there's a there's a whole kind of array of new wines. We have one that is actually a rosé, but it comes from Saint-Provence in France. And the winery that it comes from is surrounded by lavender fields. And mm -hmm. the grapes actually are infused with the scent of lavender that comes naturally from being surrounded by lavender. 
And so when you actually crack open the bottle and that lavender smell comes up, it's just an absolutely incredible bouquet that brings it. And then the wine itself is so it's got so many nuances of flavor from the lavender that is that is in it. It's really amazing. I'm a wine lover. And it's hard for me to stay silent in this podcast because I keep wanting to say, mm, after everything <laughs> you're saying. And we've been talking with lots of customers and part of the Four All Drinks community. People that are unfamiliar with non-alcoholic beverages as a whole tend to think of them as boring or tasting very awful. And in the context of wine, kind of just very high in sugar or sweet. And can you share a little bit about why your wines are different? First of all, there's almost no sugar. Our wines are incredibly low calorie. Um, they have about 80% fewer calories than wine with alcohol. And uh, alcohol is just a converted sugar, right? You know, so, so when you remove the alcohol, you're removing all of that sugar. In fact, we have to add sugar in the form of grape concentrate and even just a, a small amount of sugar back to the product to make it as palatable as we can. But we have a, a fabulous winemaker that we work with, and the process is a state-of-the-art process. We use a process called vacuum distillation, where you take a fully aged, fully matured wine, put it in a vacuum, and if you remember your high school physics, when you put liquids in a vacuum, it lowers the boiling point because it reduces the friction and the transference of energy. So the boiling point of the alcohol, which is lower than water, and therefore lower than the, the grape juice, the fermented grape juice. So the alcohol boils off at about 24 degrees Celsius. And 24 degrees Celsius, so it's pretty much room temperature. And there's zero impact on the aromatics, on the flavonoids, and on the body and structure of the wine itself. Just literally the alcohol comes off, what's left behind. We actually capture some of the aromas, feed them back in again. Uh, very sophisticated technology. And that's one of the reasons why our wines are so good. We're just simply removing the alcohol in a very gentle, gentle way. And is that something that you all had to develop and innovate? Well, we work with a wine producer based in Belgium. And so this is not a, a unique innovation, but it is science plus art. So these are machines you can buy on the commercial market. Anybody can buy them. But then it's, well, what do you do with that machine? You know, it's like I just gave you a paintbrush and some paint. Now you need to paint the picture. And you're either going to paint it like a first grader or you're going to paint it like Michelangelo. And so we are really, you know, privileged to work with winemakers that are really dedicated to the craft of producing the world's greatest non-alcoholic products. And so it's a, it's a real specialization. They have products that they market in Europe and we market in North America. And so it's a great partnership. And how has the response been since you pretty much launched this brand about two years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. How's the response been? Well, sales are up over 300%. Distribution is up probably six, 700%. You know, we're literally in thousands of stores in Canada now. So, and the retailers are literally taking every product we offer to them. So we're really super proud of what we've been able to achieve in Canada is really, and Canada's probably the best test market in the world for any consumer product. It's a very diverse country, but the, the diversity kind of exists in pockets where America is a great melting pot, but Canada is a multicultural nation. So we have these little cultures that exist and kind of retain a lot of their identity. And so it's, it's really easy for a marketer or a research person to understand 
the acceptance of products and what different cultures, you know, how they're receiving the product. And then you can market and launch that product into those original countries uh, from the diaspora into the country. So if you see the French community is really picking up on something, you can go to France next and launch in France and have a great business and, and export there. Uh, so with us, you know, we've seen the take up right across the country. So launching in the U.S. because it's our next door neighbor is, is the easiest route to go. And that's kind of next up on the agenda. And then the cannabis products, hopefully, well, actually the cannabis products are sort of next on the agenda and then a much more broad launch into the U.S. retail is following that. And then we hope, you know, when the laws change in the States and we can bring our infused product into the U.S., hopefully uh, we can launch uh, that line of products there as well. And I did not know that in terms of how the demographics are structured in Canada. And even diving a little bit deeper into that, what's been the typical kind of consumer of you know, your products? Well, wine, I mean, we're really following, you know, if you kind of take the penultimate consumer is a person who can't, for some reason, drink alcohol. They would like to, they used to, but they can't anymore. So they're looking for that alternative. And so the demographic profile kind of follows exactly what you would see in wine and beer. It's just with this kind of condition that says, okay, I'm no longer going to drink that one, but boy, I would love to have a nice cold beer, or I'd love a nice rosé, or I'd love a beautiful Chardonnay. And so the demographics are, are roughly the same. So we're seeing it's, you know, with our product, it's mostly a kind of skews on the wine side towards women. It skews on the beer side towards men, just like beer and wine do. And then you see different segments that, that you know, our segment is mostly kind of uh, more mature. So it skews to the kind of 35 plus demographic, right? Where health becomes more of an issue when you're young, you're pretty much indestructible. As you get older, that's less so. And so these conditions tend to have more of an impact. And that's when you start to see more of the impact that alcohol is on your system and your behavior and how you feel in the morning after consuming. And so the, you know, having those alternatives becomes more and more important. And also you're looking to enjoy life more. Like you're still looking for that, those special occasions when having something that's a real treat, something that's really special uh, that you really kind of luxuriate over becomes even more important, I think, as you get on. And so we see that that skewing in our in our demographic as well. Yeah, I think one of the things you're making me think about is that for those special occasions, you're making me think about being able to go out with people or a yeah. personal gathering or yeah. a wedding or a conference, you all provide a wide variety of products that allow people to be included yeah. because they can have something as opposed to a high sugary drink or a diet soda. So can you share a little bit about how has the response been, I guess, and how do you see yourselves as being able to help provide opportunities for people to feel included? Well, we actually, one of the things we did is this product right here, which you call our entertainers pack. And we had a phenomenal response to that across retail and from the consumers. And it's, it's basically, you know, here's a gift pack that gives you a white, a red and a bubbly, you know, our Chardonnay, our Merlot and our Brut for a really great price in a beautiful gift box. So sales of that year over year were up 85%. When you see those kinds of things happening with consumers who are taking to your product, and going, wow, you know, I, I need that. My mother would love that. My sister would love that. My, you know, friend, work, whatever. Or I'm going to put that on the table. And what we see most often is if you're hosting a party, you know, most people, when they're hosting a party, they go out and buy the alcohol for the party and they choose a wine and they choose some beer 
and they bring it and they're then they go and i'm gonna have some sparkling water or some juice and it's like you know if you actually brought something that was really special and really allowed those people and when you look at the numbers it's 45 percent, so it's almost half of the room for whatever reason can't or won't consume alcohol and so to give them something that allows them to be fully part of the ritual of socializing you know and these cultural rituals of clinking glasses and cracking a bottle and sharing a liquid sharing a beverage and those rituals go back thousands of years like the clinking of glasses was i'm spilling some of my drink into yours and you're spilling some of yours into mine and we're going to look at each other in the eye and know that we didn't poison each other and that created trust so if you had fear in your eye, I knew that you'd poison my drink. And if you didn't, I knew I could trust you. And, and it was literally one of those fundamental rituals of the olden times that meant you weren't probably going to kill me. <laughs> you weren't going to steal my horse and take off, right? And so, you know, those bonds of sharing a beverage, are they're profound. Yeah. And they're the foundation for connection, building yeah. community. I think the the products, one, since they're since there's a wide variety that people can choose from, um, but two, that they're really, really tasty, allows for social drinking for everyone and being able to feel included. And I think one of the things we were also talking about earlier was that variety pack is really phenomenal because you can bring it, you may be drinking it, but it's probably going to provide an opportunity for many people that have an assumption that non-alcoholic beverages taste bad. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, and it gives you a really nice selection. It kind of lets you know that there's not just a Shirley Temple, <laughs> right. Available to you that you can actually have a sophisticated nuanced flavor that is something you can really luxuriate over and enjoy, you know, and, and that's the thing I like about it is the more development we do into the category and the more we're able to kind of work with different winemakers and, and, and vintners, different wineries that are making the original product and, and then blending and, and looking at wines from different regions and different vintages and all those kinds of things, the, the more we're advancing the evolution of the whole category, and the more sophisticated and delicious the products become. For those that are, have a negative stereotype of non-alcoholic beverages, what are some of the ways that you help engage or introduce them to these type of beverages? Well, I mean, it's liquid on lips. <laughs> Drink some. Now tell me what you think. You know, and, and so we, that's why, uh, as I mentioned before we started recording, over the last three years since I got involved with the company, I think I've personally poured easily tens of thousands, 20, like 20 to 30,000 samples personally at trade shows and conferences and events and things like that. It's just getting out in front of people and pouring samples. And the, you know, the most, you know, my favorite thing, as I mentioned before, is that look on people's eyes where they go, wow, that actually didn't taste like crap. That's actually pretty tasty i was expecting something awful and you, you don't get it universally because taste is very personal and some people hate things and some people love things and everything in between and by and large i think we're really raising a lot of eyebrows with the quality of the liquid and just how sophisticated it is and how full flavored it is you know and, and i think that's surprising a lot of people 
And that's part of our mission at Four All Drinks, spotlight yeah. drinks like you all to be able to influence people to try and taste. Yeah. Going back to the technology, I mean, you know, for years, the only way you could make a non-alcoholic product was by stopping fermentation before alcohol begins, which means it's not a fully developed flavor because the fermentation process causes a lot of flavonoids and, and other elements, the sophistication, the layering of taste and those kinds of things comes from the maturation of the product, which means you got to let the alcohol fully, you got to let the yeast fully ferment the product and then you got to age it, right? So if you arrest the fermentation before you can fully develop the liquid, it's immature and it doesn't have the sophistication, right? And then you got to have the aging of the wine, which adds again to it at least a year, if not more, in barrels or stainless steel to allow the product to mature and to develop that layering and all of the different aspects of it. And this is, you know, then the technology to make non-alcoholic wine was boil the alcohol off. Well, when you boil the alcohol, you boil off the flavor and you're left with literally, you know, vinegar. And so the technology allows us to kind of create these products and it's a new thing. And so 20 years ago, you could have never had anything like what we're offering because the technology didn't exist, hadn't developed yet. So that's one really interesting element of the growth of the non-alcoholic beverage movement. And I think the other is the way that the business model is structured because you can actually ship your products. And how has that been in terms of your e-commerce business and how have alcohol companies even responded to that? This is really interesting because, you know, we see on a state-by-state -state basis different regulations around how legislators are viewing this kind of product. And it's like, you know, even in Canada, we have one province where non-alcoholic beer is not allowed in grocery and drugstores, right? Because it's beer. And yet... The interesting thing is that non-alcoholic beer, by and large, has less alcohol than Sprite, right? Sprite has about 0.7% alcohol. All of our product has less than 0.5. And so there's not really an understanding. It's a perception more than anything else. And so we've been able to, by and large, ship our product anywhere in North America because it has no alcohol at all. And so we can ship it anywhere. And it's just having people find us and be able to recognize, get them to try the first product. And then once to try the repeat purchase is phenomenal. We actually have a subscription model. And so now we have people that are subscribing and getting a dozen, you know, dozen or half a dozen bottles every month. And we have a curation process where we're, we're curating and sending a surprise in the box every month to try to just keep things mixed up. And, but you can also build your own subscription. You can say, I want three of these and three of those and five of these, right? And then that order just repeats. So you don't have to think about it. And so those kinds of things that allow you to kind of simplify your life and just know that every month this is going to show up. I get what I want and I don't have to go to the store. I don't have to carry it. It just shows up on my doorstep. So all of those systems are, are really something. And we had to go through a lot of experimentation to figure out, like, how do you ship a bottle of wine and not have it break? How do you ship a bottle of wine and not have it freeze? Because half the year in North America, it's cold enough. There's no alcohol, so it's going to freeze, right? So we, we found, you know, some really cool, innovative solutions about how to keep the product from freezing.
Yeah. And I think that's the thing. You, uh, It's one thing to make the product, but I think being able to ship it and ship it in a way that when it reaches the consumer, that it's yeah. actually in a good condition. It's in good condition. And you want people to kind of open that box and go, oh, awesome. Wine mail arrived, right? <laughs> and and you crack it open and you're like, this is fantastic. And then, you know, and we've had so many people comment to us on the quality of the every aspect of the experience from the box to the packaging, to the labeling, to the bottles, everything about it. And it's because we want to make this really equivalent to the wine industry. And, you know, at my, the LCBO here in Ontario, where I live, you know, you can buy a bottle of wine for $80,000, right? If you're that consumer, you can buy. So why shouldn't be able to buy a bottle of non-alcoholic wine for $80,000, right? So yeah. we really aspire to create vintages and, unique estate editions and cellar editions and all those things that you know that we envision that we're able to recreate and really capture all of the best attributes of the wine sector into this sector as well because consumers want that they want the experience right yeah, I think there's this element because you, I, I received a package from you all as well, and thinking about the entire customer experience because it's not just simply the tasting of the of, of the of the drink, but every aspect of when they first come in contact to when they finish your product, and then future engagement and really thinking through that is is really going to what differentiate a lot of people, a lot of companies. As you're talking about this, I love the depth that you're going into as well as the sense of your passion of everything that you're doing. And what's one of the things that you love most about your work? I love the product. First off, <laughs> you gotta you wake up in the morning and love what you do, and I I just love the product. You know, it's it's really um, uh, a real journey, and it's a real challenge. And and so I'm the kind of person that likes a big challenge to a big hill to climb. So you know, it's this is definitely that. The second thing is it's like the entire occasion around our product is social and generally celebratory, right? It's uplifting. You know, I've never been in a room where someone cracked a bottle of wine that the mood didn't elevate. Right? And, and you don't need alcohol for that. You just need the ritual. You just need all the social cues. Hey, I've just cracked a bottle of champagne. What does that mean to everybody that is there? Oh, wow. Fantastic. Like, it's just that celebratory kind of little moment in people's lives it's something special right so we are we really want to create that to give people because you know after a tough day at work and this is probably the single most common ritual related to any beverage and there's really a couple of them number one is your morning coffee your morning tea and number two is your five o'clock cocktail that it's the signal to you in your head, I'm done work, my day is over, now it's me time. Now it's family and me, and I get to relax, and I get to, and, and what's the signal? What's the ritual that you go through to, to, to signal to everyone around you and you yourself, and it's cracking a beverage, right? And so being able to create those for people who can really uh, truly appreciate, you know, the artistry and the effort and and everything the thought that we're putting into it is, is tremendously gratifying for everybody on our team. I I think the ritual and the kind of after work 
element is really key because I think when we're celebrating these moments that you're talking about, whether it's just a routine uh, ritual at the end of the day or even at a wedding, it's ironic that we celebrate with a depressant. Uh, <laughs> well, it's also it's a it's a toxin. Yeah. It's killing us. Right. It's poison. We're yeah. taking small amounts of poison and killing ourselves to celebrate life. Like it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Whereas, you know, and that's one of the things about cannabis, you know, non-alcohol products are not intoxicating, but the cannabis product is intoxicating and it does do that, but it's not killing you. It's actually, you know, scientifically, the, all the research we've seen, it makes you healthier. Yeah. And so it's kind of the opposite. I, I think a hundred years from now, the cannabis beverage industry will be as big as the alcohol industry. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I think for me personally, the interesting thing of what you're sharing is that it also, when you're drinking alcohol, it's there's the depressant and the, as well as the toxin, but it also, it prevents you from being fully present. Absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're all in on the moment. Yeah. Right? You're all in on the moment. And then, you know, again, and the next morning, you're going to feel a heck of a lot better. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, no hangover. Your waistline will love you for it, right? 80% less calories. Like it's, there's just nothing bad about it, right? Yeah. And a couple of questions before uh, we finish up. How do you see the non-alcoholic beverage industry changing over the next couple of years? Right now, it's, uh, there's a huge amount of attention on non-alcoholic craft beer. And, and we're seeing pretty much every major craft brewery you know, in the last couple of years has started to develop or has launched a non-alcoholic product. And, and we're proud to say that we were the very first non-alcoholic craft beer in the world. So we, you know, literally back in 2007, created the world's first non-alcoholic craft beer. And so we've got a great heritage in that. And, and I think we're doing the same thing in non-alcoholic wine that we're really reinventing a category and bringing a level of sophistication and flavor and, and also brand identity and, and attitude and marketing horsepower to, to a category that's been invisible and really non-existent for a lot of people. So we love kind of pioneering, putting that, that stake in the ground, you know, raising the flag and saying, Hey, we're here and it's an industry you know, let's, you know, celebrate and take note of this. So we've seen the grocery store shelves where non-alcoholic products have gone from literally, you know, two feet to eight feet, right? So like a 400% increase of shelf space for non-alcoholic products. And so that's phenomenal, right? And it raises, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. It's good for everybody in the business. And do you see a lot of restaurants and bars starting to integrate them? Well, they're, they're taking on the beer, which is good. But, you know, I think they need to recognize as well that, you know, the wine category deserves attention. And there's a lot of people out there that would love to drink wine and would love to be in your restaurant and, you know, are ordering a sparkling water instead because they can't drink alcohol. But if you had a bottle of non-alcoholic wine, they'd probably drink two of those. Yeah. And I can definitely see, unfortunately, I'm gluten intolerant and I try to be as vegan as possible. And that determines a lot of times where I go in terms of uh, yeah. restaurants. So yeah. if you know a restaurant that's serving good food and you can have a great glass of wine, you'll go there regularly. Yeah. And again, you know, our wine's perfect for you. 
So where do you see yourselves? And you shared a little bit about this earlier, but where do you see yourself and the company in the next one to kind of three years? Well, as as I said before, our our strategy and and goal as a business is we're launching the cannabis products in Canada and hopefully, you know, in the next part of this calendar year, those will be on the shelves. So so it's kind of consuming us right now to get those products on the shelf. It's, It's a huge regulatory hurdle. It's a huge production hurdle, but we believe it's going to be worth it. So we're we're charging forth down that path, and that's a big thing. We're also in 2021 launching into the U.S., so we want to see our products, you know, broadly distributed in a couple of the major regions in the U.S. Probably California and the northeastern seaboard are the two main areas that we'll tackle first. Really driving the growth of our e-commerce because that you know our products are available to anyone in North America, so we will ship anywhere in North America. So anyone who's anywhere that's watching this, you can order online and it'll be there in a few days and it'll be beautifully packaged. It'll arrive exactly as you want it to. And if you order, you know, a case of wine, which is six bottles for us, uh, it's free shipping, right? So it's the same price as the store and, you know, 60 bucks, you got six bottles of wine, 10 bucks each, and you're good to go. And so it's really super simple. And we just want to add more varieties. We want to bring in more types of wine from around the world increase the portfolio size and, and flavors. And then, you know, we're going to have some seasonal products as well. Like we're looking at some sangrias and, and mulled wine and things like that. That'll be special seasonal products that we'll put out there. So there's, there's a few things that are still, you know, in development that'll come down the pipeline. Our goal, our strategy is to be 10 times the size in the next few years. So we, we really have aggressive growth plans. And we think that those initiatives will really help scale the company and, keep us profitable and healthy so we can be making these beverages for a very long time. Well, thank you so much, Terry. I'm pretty blown away at the depth and the complexity and the intricacies of everything you're doing in designing and and creating these delicious beverages, but also just being able to be a leader in growing the non-alcoholic beverage movement. Thank you so much for everything you're doing and thank you for sharing your story. Marcos, it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you for inviting us. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining me today. I loved hearing about all the amazing wines, beers, and CBG drinks Hill Street is creating and how they are providing a wide variety of non-alcoholic drink options for just about everybody's individual tastes. Be sure to join us next week when you'll hear from Mark Livings, founder of Liar Spirits. In that episode, you'll learn about all the wide range of non-alcoholic spirits they've created that will allow you to make just about any classic spirit you've ever wanted. If you're subscribed to the show, thanks for being part of the For All Drinks community. I'd be super grateful if you can take a moment to leave me a rating if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast. If you're not a subscriber yet, be sure to subscribe to this and all the other episodes of the podcast to start discovering more delicious non-alcoholic drinks. Lastly, visit foralldrinks.com for show notes to this episode and sign up for our newsletter to get the latest non-alcoholic beverage news, special giveaways, discounts, and more. Here's to drinking healthy, inclusively, and different. See you all next week.